The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Good times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm speaking to you from the Borough of Queens. It is uh, the seventh day of June 2020. That is the Borough of Queens in New York City. Uh, before I talk more about today's show, I'd like to remind you I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and we like to plug Chen Lin's letter, uh, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Especially if you're interested in the biotech sector, uh, Chen has some great ideas and some great research that he shares with his subscribers there, chenpicks.com. And as always, we like to pass along Michael Oliver's website as well. It's olivermsa.com. Michael Oliver will be with me uh, in just a moment here to give us some of his latest ideas. Uh, about the markets. Uh, and before I get into today's show, let me remind you that uh, I will be attending and participating in the Metals Investor Forum in Toronto this coming Saturday and Sunday, as will two of my guests today, uh, Quentin Henning and Eric Coffin. Uh, there is no charge to attend this event, but you do need to sign up beforehand. And to do that, you can go to Metals Investor Forum, their website, metalsinvestorforum.com, and your name and email, and you will have admission to this event that's held at the Delta Hotel in Toronto. Um, Quinton will be presenting Irving uh, Resources there. He'll be talking about that, as he will be later today in this show. And I'll be uh, speaking about the, uh, the dire economic conditions the U.S. has gotten itself into uh, and why you really need to have some gold in your portfolio as a result. I have uh, invited Klondike Gold, Irving Resources, Core Asset Corp., and Calibre Mining are the companies that I have invited to the show. Included in the free, uh, free in this free of charge event is uh, a continental breakfast on both days, as well as cocktails at the end of the sessions, uh, both on Saturday and Sunday. So I look forward to seeing you there. Be sure to say hello if you are able to attend. I do want to thank each of you for listening to the show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. Also, want to invite you uh, to keep your questions and comments. Uh, send them along to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number for Taylor at gmail.com. Also want to thank our sponsors making the show economically viable. This week's sponsors, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, Eloro Resources, 
uh, Core Asset Corp., Timberline Resources, Lion One Metals, SK Mining, and Reina Gold Corp. I've titled today's show, Investing in a Rapidly Changing World. Few investors and letter writers combine such an intimate knowledge of the junior mining exploration sector and the metals markets in general than does Eric Coffin. He will be joining me in the second half of today's show. He also possesses a brilliant grasp of the interplay of macroeconomic forces on the junior sector and the metals markets. Uh, as co-founder of the Metals Investor Forum, I want to get a sense from Eric about the companies that he is really uh, keen on investing in and uh, those that he will be taking with him to the uh, Metals Investor Forum. So we'll be talking to Eric in the second half of today's show. Quentin Henning will join me during the second segment to provide an update on Irving Resources, as I just noted. And that company's 2022 drill program, which is in part is designed to test the newly discovered Hot Springs Gold system buried under a more recent discovery. Uh, Quinton has compared this discovery geologically with that of the multi-million ounce gold deposit at Fruta del Norte, that's a, a project in Ecuador, that is doing extremely well, and he thinks, geologically at least, the model looks very similar to that. It is an exciting story, so I look forward to what Quentin has to say in the second segment of today's show. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me, uh, and really glad to have him. Boy, I'll tell you, in these kind of tumultuous times, it's really great to have a veteran with us like Michael. Thanks for joining me, Michael. It's always good to have you with us. Uh, you put out a portfolio grid for your subscribers, basically summarizing uh, the markets that you really want to be in and the key trigger points uh, and the ones you don't want to be in. And there aren't that many that you want to be in, but go ahead and talk to us about what you like and what you don't like. What is What, what do you think people should be focused on and what they should stay away from now? Well, uh, we decided about a month or so ago to produce it every two weeks. A what we call a portfolio grid. What do mm -hmm. we mean? Okay, um, you got to realize that the U.S. stock market is not occupied by the normal gold traders and so forth. Eighty percent of the ownership of the assets in the stock market are owned by institutional investors. Okay, mm -hmm. that means large funds and pension funds. Okay, now mm -hmm. how do these folks operate? Well, they don't operate by the time frame that most so-called gold traders operate with week to week day you know day to day uh, they're, they're fairly non-emotional although i'm sure they get emotional when they're wrong um but they they look at things quarter to quarter year to year and they place their allocations in a matrix that includes such categories as the stock market itself let's say the s p and the nasdaq 100 <clears throat> long-term government bonds municipal bonds real estate, okay, mm -hmm. and high-yield corporate debt. Now, also in that matrix, traditionally, sort of at the bottom, but accepted as a, a needed category, is gold, because it protects you, you over the long haul. Everybody recognizes, even if you don't like it short-term, that it does preserve its value over decades. Okay, so it's there. It's, it's part of the traditional portfolio matrix. So what we do is we summarize every two weeks our, our long-term trend view of each of those categories, whether we turn positive, turn negative, what level, and what might be uh, in play short-term or something. Uh, but right now it's very interesting because if you're, in, if you're running a pension fund, CalPERS, uh, California Fund, or Illinois, or 
running any big mutual fund or anything, uh, you've got a very strange situation right now in that you don't have any choices except one. Okay. Uh, for instance, right now, it, we're now six months into the new year, a year that most people didn't expect to turn out the way it's turned out. We did, but, I mean, that's fine. Uh, S&P's down 14%, and that's a rally, okay? NASDAQ 100 is down 23%, and that's a rally. Long-term government bonds are down 22% from where they closed last year. Municipal bonds are down 7.5%. And real estate, as measured by several real estate-based ETFs, are down 16%. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. I mean, you know, these are normally – some of these compete with each other sometimes. You know, usually when the stock market's in trouble, you can rush over to the government bonds and, you know, save yourself there and protect, protect your clients' assets. But that's not true anymore. So suddenly nothing's working. What's going on here? Okay. Well, the one category that is working – and pardon me for saying this, because I know a lot of people think it's not working. Gold's up 1.5% on the year. Mm -hmm. well, of all these traditional assets, that, that's a killer. I mean, that, that's, you know, you'd love to be there, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and so in fact, some of these funds in, uh, do have positions in, for instance, GLD, for example, like Bridgewater Associates owns some substantial portion of GLD. Um, now, that's not true with most of the pension funds. But anyway, so it's, a, it's not a good year for the major asset managers because their choices are not working. Uh, and, and they, unfortunately, years ago, they shifted out of stock, uh, excuse me, out of bonds where they used to earn interest. And the Fed denied them interest by cutting the cost of money to nothing. The basic commodity of human intra interaction is money, mm -hmm. uh, and they took its price down effectively to zero, and so they couldn't make any interest, so they started pull it, pushing their money into the stock market. And it did well for a while, you know, especially the last year or two, where we went vertical after the money printing in March of 2020. Uh, <clears throat> but now it's not working, so they're desperate. The only thing that's up is gold. When in fact, if you look a little closer, the GDX, the gold mining ETFs, up a percent and a half, along with gold. Nobody notices that. Everybody notices that it's lower than it was several months ago, but it's mm -hmm. up on the year. What's going on? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the two biggest blue chip gold miners, Newmont Mining and Barrick, are up 9 and 10% on the year. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I suggest to people who are invested in gold to stand back for a minute, quit looking at the day-to-day, week-to-week. You know, if you bought high and you're hurting, well, that's because you bought high, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but basically, as an asset category, it's doing quite well in a very bad year. Mm -hmm. And we suspect, based on our analysis, that it will continue to do well. Now, over time, these portfolio managers, the state pension funds, they get together every quarter and they have their meeting and, they, you know, they, they vote and so forth, and they may shift some assets, but they don't do it day-to-day, week-to-week. Um, over time, if that relationship still persists, where gold is still hanging in there up on the year, and miners are up 8%, 9%, uh, and yet the rest of the market continues under pressure, they will be forced by simple necessity to shift more and more assets into these small market arenas, gold, gold miners, silver miners. So it's an issue of the arm wrestling match going on over time, whether you know, attrition alone will cause an asset class shift more and more into gold. 
Mm-hmm. And as we know, they, you know, there's a, there's a lot of assets out there that are not comfortable right now. Mm-hmm. And if they begin to shift even trivially into gold, imagine what will happen to the gold and the mining sector. So I think everybody needs to sort of step back and look at that coldly from the point of view of the Illinois State Pension Fund, the CalPERS, uh, major mutual funds, uh, as a very good alternative. And so far, six months into the year, it's uh, hanging in there quite well, despite mm-hmm. all the sensitivities. <laughs> right. Well, I, I'm reminded uh, Richard Russell used to say that the winners in a bear market are those that lose the least. Uh, so yeah. if you're if you're at all positive, I guess, so of course, you have to factor in the fact the fact that we have this inflation, consumer inflation now that is also eating away at your purchasing power. But nonetheless, yeah. gold is hanging in there, as you point out. And more than likely with these massive uh, companies like CalPERS and Illinois Pension Fund, these guys have enormous billions and billions, I would imagine, of money to put somewhere. So we could mm-hmm. see could really could see an explosion on the upside, one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we have to go to break here, Michael, oil has done very well. Energy has done mm-hmm. very well. And you, and you didn't mention uh, you like to look at the Bloomberg Commodities Fund. Uh, are those up for the year? Well, they're up nicely for the year. And again, we don't correlate gold. You should not correlate gold to commodity price, quote, inflation. Right. Of gold course. is a is a metric of inflation generally. And remember, mm-hmm. we've had a dozen years now of vast monetary inflation, which went where? Not into commodities. It went into the stock market. So asset managers will move it, you know, like with a shovel. They'll divert the river to a different direction. And now they're diverting it into commodities and Mm commodity-related. But uh, ultimately, I think uh, our bet is that the gold, silver, and the related miners will outperform every category out there over the next year or two. Including the, and, uh, including the commodity sector in general. Including the commodity sector, yes. It's bolted yeah. ahead, but you've got to remember, gold had already doubled from late 2015 to summer of 2020 before commodities even upturned in mm-hmm. late 2020. Mm-hmm. Gold mm-hmm. had already gone to $2,000, and mm-hmm. yet the commodity index was still laboring at its lows. So don't try to correlate them. It, actually, our view is that commodities lag gold. Mm-hmm. And probably the next leg up, gold will outpace the commodity complex. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll have to leave it go at that, Michael. I should mention to my listeners that there are a lot of other things that Michael talks about besides gold. He talks about that all the time. Uh, but, for example, he had some comments on Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. Well, he talked about real estate. There's lots of things on Michael's letter uh, to keep up with. Um, if you're a serious investor, you might want to. Consider signing up for his letter at OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. Thank you so much, Michael, for being with us. Thank you, always great. It's always great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank well, you. folks, don't go away. We have to go to break now, but Quentin Henning will be back with me when we come back to talk about Irving Resources. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Quentin Henning. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Lion One Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. 
SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQX is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Training Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really happy to have Dr. Quentin Henning with me once again. Today he's here to talk about Irving Resources. The company trades in Toronto under the symbol IRV. You can buy it in the States down here as I have under the symbol IRVRF. I have 61.9 million shares. I think that's a correct number thereabouts. It was selling at around 89 cents in U.S. money earlier today when I checked it, giving it a market cap around 55 million in U.S. money. So it's a very small market cap company. Uh, with some, I think, some really big upside potential. And Newmont Mining owns 14% of the company. You just heard, uh, you just heard our last guest talk about Newmont. It's beating the pants off the markets in general, up 10% or so. A very, you know, one of the strongest gold mining companies in the world. Newmont Mining owns 14% of this little baby, and the directors own around 11% uh, management and the directors. So, uh, this is a company I've been following for some time. It is focused on exploring silica-rich gold mineralization in Japan. And silica-rich ores are especially valuable in Japan because that country's, because of that company's numerous melters, which uh, use the, the, um, the silica as, uh, as a flux in its uh, copper recovery, in its, uh, that is, in the recovery of copper. Its smelters use it. So, it, and this helps to really reduce the cost. The, it can enhance the economics of these projects because the silica itself is valuable and the companies get paid for the silica as well as the gold. And they don't have to uh, spend a lot of capital to build a mill uh, because, um, uh, because, the, uh, because the recovery, uh, the, the, mine, the, um, the smelters recover uh, the gold for the company. So there's a lot to, I think, that really make this a, a very exciting story, I think, potentially. And the company's had a great deal of success so far in exploring these uh, silica-rich deposits, and that's why we're really happy to have Quentin here to give us an update. Thanks for joining me, Quentin. Thanks, Jay. Always a pleasure. It's really good to have you with me. You know, the last time we talked, I think you talked about a December news release by the company in which it talked about a new discovery. Actually, it was sort of a hidden, one of these hidden uh, hot springs discoveries, uh, silica-rich uh, discoveries that was buried underneath the one that you were exploring, and you were quite excited about that. Um, and you even called it, I think, if if I quoted, if I remember right, you 
talked about it being a possible game changer for the company. And I'm just wondering, do we have any news uh, on that since then? I think you might have put a drill hole or two into it. We we did do some drilling this winter in spring. So, yes, we uh, we completed two holes. We uh, we had some challenges. The rig broke down, and because of the there were pretty strict COVID restrictions at the time. It was very difficult to get stuff happening and get parts and and everything we needed. But we did get it fired up again uh, in April, and we completed the second hole. I think around the end of April. Uh, the other thing we faced is uh, that COVID wave that swept Japan. Uh, a lot of members of our team uh, came down with COVID over about a, a four-week period, and that really uh, hampered us a bit. But we did complete two holes. Um, we, <clears throat> we've we got uh, several holes planned here. The first two holes came at the, the target area from the south, so they were drilling south and north. Uh, one of them, uh, the first one that we drilled, I talked about in a news release, I think in uh, March, maybe latter part of March, about the visuals, we saw a lot of veins and stuff, and that were eagerly awaiting assays. Uh, we would probably have the assays back right now if it hadn't been for the COVID that swept through the crew. Basically, our SARS and everybody were out for the count for uh, a few weeks. But we did get the, the samples into the lab, I think somewhere around the second week in May. And, you know, the lab turnaround right now is about four to six weeks once, it, once samples hit the lab. So I, I anticipate uh, assays back from that hole. Uh, probably within the next couple of weeks. Um, the second hole uh, was a little bit behind that, so you're going to have to wait patiently. But again, it came at the, the system from the footwall, uh, and it tested kind of the eastern part of the, the system. Um, very, Both holes were very informative. A lot of, a lot of veins and alterations seen in both holes. Uh, but the, the next series of holes, the ones that we have planned from the north side, coming at it, you know, the, the humpy target from the, the hanging wall, those are the ones that I'm, I'm dead keen on. Uh, we we have access in that area now. Uh, just you know, a little little game of 3D chess going on there with permitting and accessibility and having a pad available. We got a pad on that north side now, and we we're able to drill those holes uh, once this this new rig gets in place. Uh, what we announced this morning is really super important for the company. Look. Um, it's been a challenge. I'm not going to pretend, you know, COVID restrictions and stuff, it's been a challenge operating in Japan, mainly because of international travel, getting uh, drillers in and out of the country. Um, it's It's been a challenge on, on a number of other fronts too, you know, with the, the kind of keeping the, the group very tight together and, and not giving them access or not, uh, you know, uh, having people go go in contact with the greater community and stuff. It's been, a, but we've managed to pull it off for two years. We got two years drilling uh, completed during COVID, but now we, we're kind of looking at the situation going forward and we're thinking, you know what? It's best to have a drill, an autonomous drill operation in country, in-house. So we've we've committed to purchasing two rigs. We've got one rig that uh, just left port in Vancouver out of um, a company called Geotech Drilling. Uh, they're, they're affiliated with JDS, which a lot of people know. And those guys have been over backwards to help us get a rig uh, going over to Japan. That one, that A5 rig, is going to arrive sometime around uh, the middle of July. And that's going to be the one we move up to site and we can resume drilling. Um, we're also, we've also purchased a second rig through Board Longyear uh, out of Australia. <clears throat> that rig is supposed to arrive, I believe, 
uh, in the third quarter, somewhere around maybe late August or early September is the last word I have. <clears throat> and that rig will allow us to drill other targets as well. So we can we can employ it down in Yamagano, for example. So these two rigs are basically going to belong to the company and be operated by our in-house drill, an in-house drill team that we build over the next few months. So this is a, a big, big move for the company, but I think it's going to be more effective over the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very similar to the, the same strategy that Lion One has employed in Fiji, where they own and operate their drills. I think it'll save money. I think it'll be more effective. It'll help expedite exploration. It'll move things forward because we have two rigs. We can drill multiple targets. Gives us a lot more advantage than we currently have. Uh, so, you know, again, big step for the company, but it's uh, it's going to pay off. I believe Lion One has their own assay lab too. Is that is that something that might be in the future, or do you need to ramp things up a bit more before you I do that? We commit to building our own assay lab, but I do think uh, the assay situations are are going to improve. Look, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. I guess right. I guess <laughs> I advise people to believe it when they see it, but. You know, there's been a lot of scuttlebutt in the mining sector about, you know, the, the whole assay situation. And, you know, ALS and SES and all of these commercial labs, they realize what a what an absolute disaster assay turnaround has been. They've been making big moves to, to um, increase capacity here in the past few months, uh, really since the beginning of the year. I think they're starting to take this, you know, this imminent bull cycle more seriously. And they're starting to ramp up capacity. Now that coupled with the fact that the COVID restrictions by and far have fallen away, uh, I think is going to help improve things dramatically, touch wood. Uh, but I think we we will see, as long, it's really about getting the samples over to the lab. If we, if we can deliver the samples to the lab in, in Vancouver uh, and, you know, in a timely fashion and the, the lab starts to get its turnaround back to the more of the norm, which is about four to six weeks, I think we'll we'll see an improvement there. I'm not too worried. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so you were able to tell something from the visuals. I guess you, for judging from what you said, you're pretty pleased with what you saw. Now it's just a matter of whether or not they're mineralized. How, how yeah, much we'll get the assays for these two holes. If we get one hole one back here shortly, then we'll put a new release out around that. Uh, you know, but as soon as we have something in hand, we can we can talk more about it. But yes, visually, uh, we were quite pleased with the the drill holes that we saw. Quite a few veins. Uh, the next holes, though, the ones from the north, I'm particularly excited about because we are drilling from what's called the hanging wall of the block. It's basically the down mm -hmm. block, and that's usually where the more activity is. Uh, we had to get some access built in that area uh, as far as drill pads and stuff. We have that now. We're, we're going to be able to drill that uh, starting in July. And that's mm -hmm. the if anybody looks back to our news releases with the figures, uh, the cross-sectional figures that show you the target there, I think you'll understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where all the, the the activity is in this hydrothermal system from what we can see. Right. If people want to visualize that, I guess that's on the website uh, at uh, Irving website, right? Correct. Yep. Irving. Right. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, well, you in the news release today, you also talked about some of the other exploration uh, targets. Uh, you mentioned Yamagano. Can you tell us what's going on there? Yeah, look, uh, Yamagano has been, we've been doing work down there for the past six or eight months pretty consistently now. Um, we've got in and did a gravity survey. We've done a magnetic survey. 
and we're now about to do a CSAMT survey. This is the survey that looks at the electrical properties of the rock, particularly the, the resistivity of the rock. And in epithermal systems such as this, silica, which is often uh, very abundant around the hydrothermal system, uh, shows up as, as a resistive feature. So mm -hmm. it's been very effective at, in our exploration up at uh, Omoyi and Hokuri and elsewhere. We think it'll be very effective down at Yamagano. Uh, this CSAMT survey is going to be comprehensive. It'll cover the entire Yamagano district. And we're going to build a three-dimensional model that hopefully shows us the roots, uh, the, the feeders, if you will, of these mm -hmm. targets in depth so we can better target these things with drilling. Again, you know, because we have two rigs now, this makes our, our life a lot easier. We'll be able to deploy one of the rigs now to Yamagano and be able to drill there uh, at the same time we're drilling up at uh, Omu. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you know, you got people a little excited about the possibilities there. Um, when you, when you mentioned uh, Fruta del Norte, I think you see geologically yep. some similarities, of course, <laughs> you know, time will tell, right? And that's what we're, it will. no, I'm, I'm very confident that, that we're onto a big, big system there at Dev. Uh, I do think that, uh, these next two, next few holes that we drill from the North are going to be critical, uh, that look at those cross sections and you'll see what I mean. That, that big, uh, feeder system in the hanging wall should be in that north area, just north of the Humpy Vein, and I think that that if we if we drill in that area, I think we'll we'll hit the Fruta del Norte, uh, hopefully analog, in you know that meaning a, a sheeted vein system, like a, an abundant vein system that maybe bulks out to uh, to a larger tonnage thing. Well, we're certainly going to be watching with baited breath no doubt about that and i i mean newmont mining is in there uh they're not going to fool around with a million ounce deposit they're 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 interested in in your company and in, in irving because they see it has a potential scale and i know that's your philosophy you don't get involved with with things that don't have uh you know, potential for for uh world-class deposits so they, this they is back with us from day one and they're you know i i would anticipate them sticking with us going forward too yeah, it's, it's, um, it's good to have a, a partner like that uh, in your uh, that you're working with. That's for sure. So uh, financing, I mean, Newmont is there, no doubt, if it's need be. But what I think the company's okay financing wise. Yeah, we have about six point seven million uh, at the moment, so we're in pretty good shape. Um, you know, that said, traditionally what we've done with Newmont is every year we review our exploration program, and then they they indicated they'd like to fund further. So they're you know they're will likely be just given that pattern there will likely be another uh phase of finance and you know that's that's a good thing they're they're very supportive they're they're very keen on what we're doing at omu but now with yamagano and the progress we're making on geophysics i think there will be a point here where it becomes very clear there's some uh high priority targets that uh that need some drilling so you know stay tuned i think you'll see a lot of attention being given to that that property in particular all right. Well, it's a really exciting story. I want to thank you, uh, Quentin, for, for spending time to get a, give us an update. Anything else or that pretty much covers it for now? Well, look, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know what you think of the gold market here, Jay, but uh, it looks like we we have found some kind of floor or, if you will, um, I think, you know, we, we might have to be a little patient, but I think everybody in the gold space is patient. You know, they know this, this game. <laughs> But I think that sometime <laughs> those, in the next few months, 
those of us that are still hanging in there have been, are patient are the patient types, or we wouldn't be here. That's for sure. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you 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 have some uh, you have some ideas that you express about the markets from time to time uh, at the uh, Crestcat gets active weekly uh, videos YouTube videos as well. I, what do you have the boom and the what what's that model you have? The, you have the the bonk and boing. Uh, phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. The bonk and boing. We're basically, you know, the gold the chart. Uh, if it if it hits that upward trending. Uh, you know, line of resistance, which it has here recently, and yeah. and it's it's bounced off of it. Uh, it can often tend to, you know, take off in a big, big way. Now it might. Everybody wants instant gratitude, you know, yeah, gratification. gratification yeah. But uh, you know, but that's not the way the gold space ever works. So, uh, my my best guess and where I'm kind of putting my money is that sometime around late August to maybe in October in that window is going to be the the boing part of the, that chart, you know, that we're going to see things take off. And, you know, I guess my message based on that and where we're the, the kind of position we're uh, taking here at, at Crescat is that this is the time to get well positioned in, in yeah. good stories and companies. Yeah. And it's in preparation for uh, that, that hopefully euphoric period in which we can wake up every day and we feel like, we're accomplishing something, Jay. <laughs> well, indeed, and 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 now is the time because it's these kind of little small cap market companies. Uh, when things start to take off, there may not be any shares there at anything like the current prices, and we've seen it happen so often. When these little micro cap companies get hot and people get excited, uh, as I think Doug Casey talked about, it something like. Uh, Niagara Falls through a garden hose or something like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll have to leave it go at that, Quentin. Thank you so much uh, for for uh, for giving us this update. It's, it's a very exciting story. Not a lot going on recently, but that could change very quickly. So, thanks so much. Thank you, Jay. All right, folks, we do have to go to break, but don't go away. Eric Coffin will be with me. He's a hard rock analyst, and he's going to talk to us. I'm sure he'll have some ideas about the Boeing and the Bonk or whatever Quentin was talking about. So uh, Eric will have some ideas about where he thinks the gold market's going. And Eric also has a lot of good insights into uh, the workings of the, of the financial markets as well. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Eric Coffin. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Reina Gold is a newly listed company trading on the OTCQB under the symbol REYGF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol REYG. Its flagship asset, La Gloria, is a 24,000-hectare district-scale property in the prolific Mojave Sonora Megashear in Mexico, between La Herradura, Mexico's biggest gold mine by Fresnillo, and El Shanate mine by Alamos Gold. La Gloria has very high-grade sampling and is in the first phase of a 10,000-meter drill program. The technical team is led by Dr. Peter McGaw, co-founder of Mag Silver, and Doug Kirwin, former VP of Ivanhoe Mines. Learn more at reinagold.com. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. 
To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash VoiceAmerica. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. listening to turning hard times into good times with your host jay taylor if you have a question or comment about today's show jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send an email to questions taylor at gmail.com that's questions the number four taylor at gmail.com now back to our program Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have with me a good friend, Eric Coffin. Uh, Eric is the editor of the HRA, the Hard Rock Analyst. Uh, it's a family of publications. Uh, he is also uh, a uh, he's also a co-founder of the Metals Investor Forum, along with Scott Gibson. Uh, it's an excellent uh, it's an excellent event they put on. There's one in Toronto coming up. Uh, those of you who might be in the Toronto area or plan to be might want to consider going there. Uh, go to the metalsinvestorforum.com. It's it's a free of charge event, but you do need to sign up, leave your email so that you have entrance to this event. It's uh, in downtown Toronto. Um, I forget the name of the hotel, but it's uh, hotel yeah. the Delta the Delta the Delta Hotel. Right, exactly. Well, thanks, uh, Eric. Hi, thanks for thanks for joining me. Really glad <laughs> you could guess. be with me. I hear you're out there. Uh, chasing the cows somewhere in ontario yeah i'm 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 out in the boonies and it's just me and the heifers that seems to be about it i'm i'm surprised they have electricity much less cell towers to be quite honest but <laughs> it seems, seems, seems like they do well uh, you're that's nice to get out and away from the city once in a while i think and uh, out out amongst the cows <laughs> yeah yeah well i i grew up amongst the cows so i i sort of miss that in a way but anyway um here in new york city and you're out there amongst the cows in ontario uh well i'm really glad you could be with us today and um uh, just give us your idea what what are your thoughts now about the about the global economy i mean it's i mean you know, i'm an old guy i've been around a long time about probably 10 years or so longer than you. Um, 
and I've seen a lot of cycles, but this one seems to be different than a lot of others um, in some ways. But I, I just like to hear what you have to think, what you have to say about yeah. the uh, what your your assessment of the global economy now. I mean, yeah, I mean, one thing I've said in the publication for months now, and we, you and I both know that the four most dangerous words in economics are this time it's different, but this time it actually is different. I'm not sure, you know, and, and it's not really a traditional cycle. Like, yes, we had this razor sharp, very deep recession in the midst of all the lockdowns, but it's not, it hasn't really evolved like a traditional cycle because everybody got all this cash showered on them. So right now you've got the situation where, you know, the combination of the excess cash supply chain issues, you know, far and wide, you, you know, we're dealing with seven, eight percent inflation. And I, I'm finding it a bit odd, honestly, because I, I watch, you know, I watch Wall Street and Wall Street seems to be convinced that this time it isn't different, um, i.e. that the Fed will always bail them out, that. You know, the Greenspan puts turned into the Powell put, which I find strange because Powell himself, um, you know, Lael Brainard, the vice chair of the FOMC, most of the FOMC members I've heard talk in the last few months keep saying, like, there ain't no put, people. Like, we're worried about inflation. We're going to push rates until we see inflation getting down close to our 2% target. And if Wall Street gets whacked in the process, oh, well. But for yeah. some reason, Wall Street simply doesn't believe it. Like, they just they don't believe it. It's, yeah. it's really very odd, very, very strange. And I'm based on the assumption that I'm kind of taking Powell at his word. He keeps saying, like, I'm going to go past neutral. And neutrals, I mean, I mean neutrals, like neutral rates are sort of a guess, really. But yeah, right. somewhere between 25 and 3% is probably the neutral rate. So if he's going past that, that means he's going to, you know, 3, 3.5, 4. If they go that far... Wall Street's rolling over again for sure. Like I'm, I'll, I'll be shocked if we don't see lower lows. I mean, yes, we're, we've got a nice rally right now, but I think this rally peters out in the next few weeks. And before this is said and done, we probably see the S and P ten twenty percent lower than where it is right now. Um, what I'm counting on is well, two things. Short term, if you look back at two thousand eight and two thousand, in both of those cases. You know, we had very deep market corrections, bear markets. The first thing that turned was gold. Gold turned mm-hmm. in 2008. Gold turned about six months ahead of the S&P. I think it's well right. about four. I guess uh, gold turned like in November, and the S&P turned in like the end of March. And right. I, I got a feeling we're going to see something similar again this time. But what it's probably going to take, maybe, is the Fed getting to the point where they're saying, "Yeah, okay, we're getting close." When you see the Fed start talking about, yeah, we think the top is going to be X in terms of the interest rate cycle, that's when I think you're going to see gold move. And I don't, we're probably not that far off. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that this might just be naive optimism. I'm kind of hoping that, you know, the 1785 low we saw, that maybe that's as bad as it gets. Um, it may not do much anything for the next little while, but if it's anything like 2008 or 2001, when the rally starts, it's, it's going to be a long one. Um, so that's that's kind of my first stop. My second stop is I'm still quite comfortable with base metals. Like yes, they're pro-cyclical. So you know if the economy goes in the tank, then yeah, copper probably gets knocked back 75 cents or a buck or something. But the long-term fundamentals of you know you name it, copper, nickel, aluminum, anything really, are so strong that I just I I think this decade may be like the 70s where 
where you see the Fed not quite kill inflation, it kind of keeps coming back and it keeps cycling rates up. And maybe we have these mini recessions that aren't individually that bad. But mm-hmm. uh, those of us that are really old, like you and me, Jay, we remember <laughs> that the 70s were actually a pretty good time to be in both gold and, and commodities in general. Exactly. That was kind of decade mm-hmm. of commodities. And yeah, I absolutely. Think the 2020s might be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly seems like it. When you mentioned two and a half, three percent, I guess you're talking Fed funds rate, probably. Yeah, I mean that's that's apparently. I mean the the Fed's best guess at what the neutral and the neutral the Fed defines the neutral rate as the interest rate where it doesn't slow growth, but it kind of zeroes out, you know, unemployment. You don't you don't see any inflationary pressure. I mean, obviously the Fed and everybody is shooting for a soft landing, but. And, and I hope that's what we get. But I know that if you look at you look at the long term average for the Fed and, and, and other major central banks, their batting average when it comes to generating a soft landing is about 250. So one mm-hmm. in four. The other three mm-hmm. times they don't pull it off. So I think the law. I mean, I think the rational assumption has to be that they're not going to pull it off. That it's going to be a mm-hmm. recession, not a soft landing. Yeah, I mean, some people are looking to. Uh, to Powell, in fact, I think Paul has referenced uh, Paul Volcker. He wants to be the second coming of Paul Volcker in a way. Um, but, you know, it seems to me that it's a lot different than it was in 1980 now as well, Eric, because, um, you know, our debt to GDP at that time was around 30, I think around 30 percent. Now it's over 100. It's 120 or 130 percent. And someone yeah. pointed out that if, if, the, if the government's borrowing cost rose to four or four and a half percent, it would be 30%. The interest expense would be 30% of our budget. That's equal to our defense expenditure. That's equal to our. Uh, that's equal to our um, uh, to Social Security uh, expenditures. Yeah. And so there, I mean, it's just you would think there would be some some loss of confidence in the dollar in the system if we got to that point. And I just and uh, uh, Doug Nolan, who I had on the show just recently. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he is the uh, portfolio manager for the McIlvaney Management Tactical Short Fund. Doug says he really believes that that Powell wants to, really has his heart set on, and really wants to do the right thing and rein this yeah. thing, you know, and get it under control. Yeah. But he's just, but Doug is just really, just really thinks it's going to be almost impossible for him to do that. Uh, I hope he's wrong. Uh, everybody has to hope he's wrong because. Uh, Doug is really Doug. Doug says, and I just I wrote what he said down here. He says history suggests today festering uh, issues in the credit derivatives and structured finance will prove woefully worse than anyone today appreciates. And there is little policymakers can do to remedy the situation. The cycle has changed. The amount of stimulus necessary to one more time re- resuscitate the bubble dynamics would risk hyperinflation. So Doug is worried that. The problem that we have is that because it's you know every time we have to the, the the balance sheet just keeps getting exponentially larger every every credit cycle, and so Doug yeah. is worried that this time it could get away in the opposite direction. I just I just hope that's I mean I remember how frightening it was in nineteen in the seventies. I mean I just as an yeah. I was a young man and then I I remember our first mortgage is a seventeen half percent mortgage. I remember how f- that was frightening. And uh, so I yeah. just hope somehow that Powell can get his hands, his his arms around this thing, get this thing under control, because it's it's very frightening. You, but, you know, and you you know, and I know that guys in our business, and especially hard money types, they they like to dump on, on central bank governors. <laughs> um, yeah. And I personally, I'm, 
I'm glad I'm not in his shoes. He's in a really tough oh, place yeah. because oh my goodness, yes, you can't let inflation run because we all know that you know the average person on the street they're not going to get wage increases that match inflation. We both know that's how the world works, and Powell certainly knows that. And he's been saying it for months. And I was going, look, if I if I don't do this, everybody's going to fall farther and farther behind. I think he's probably a little confused that there hasn't been any slowing yet. But I think we can, I think we can thank a year and a half of pandemic stimulus for that. I think, I think the You're average right. person just has a bigger, they got a bigger cushion right now than they would normally have in a normal cycle. That's part of what makes it different. But mm-hmm. even so <clears throat> you're seeing the savings rate drop like a stone right now. Right. I don't right. Think I don't know whether it's going to be two months or four months or six months, but I, I think we'll get to the point where consumers will hit the wall and that's where he's going to have to be, you know, lucky, honestly. Um, he'll have to just guess the right in, the right interest level because otherwise he'll push it into a recession. And the other thing, you and I have talked about this in the past, you know, I, I know I, I know the the letters MMT are <laughs> anathema <laughs> to hard money types and, and yeah. people are probably throwing their phone at the wall right now. But the truth of the matter is, I look at that and I there's a lot of things with MMT I don't like. It's very it's a very kind of inherently left wing kind of thing. But the ba- the basic concept of the Fed just getting the Feds plural just getting to the point of saying you know what screw this let's just have the Treasury print a bunch of stuff the Fed will pay it off swap one way swap the other and wipe a bunch of the debt out monetize the debt in other words I still don't see a lot of other ways out of this honestly I mean how yeah, yeah. is this going to happen? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I think, and I, and I think Powell is really for... opposed to, to doing that. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, that's, just, that's, he, I think what he, Doug yeah, Nolan yeah. is saying, there's probably no other way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it is getting to the point where realistically there's no way you're going to get rid of the debt pile, the size in, in pick any G7 countries, the same in all of them politically at a political level, it's not feasible. There's no way you could pass the spending cuts and tax increases um, that you would need to make that happen without being guaranteed of being out of office at next election. So yeah. what, what politicians going to have the stones to do that? Let's be honest. Like they're just, they're not, they're just not. Well, I don't, so I, I, don't I don't think, think Powell's going to have a lot. I don't think he's going to have much choice. I think he hates it. Yeah. I don't think he's going to have much choice. Yeah. And unlike Paul Volcker, we still, I mean, it, things were much different at that time. Uh, as I say, the debt was much, was much less onerous. We still had a lot of exports. We hadn't really become, you know, totally a, a service economy yet at, at that stage like we are now. Anyway, uh, yeah. with just limited time here, Eric, I want to get into some of your ideas. What what yeah. companies are you taking to the um, to the Metals Investor Forum? I think you gave me some names. You well, mentioned Copper a little while ago. I know Pan Global is yeah. one of them. You mentioned right? Pan Global is one of them. I'm I'm a big fan of that deal. It's got all the guys running it. Very high level guys out of RTZ and a few other places, and they really know the Iberian Pyrite Belt, which is where they are. They've mm-hmm. already got a, a very good-looking discovery um, called Romana. But what the reason why I think this is a good time for it, notwithstanding the you know potential copper issues six months down the road, they've they've just finished flying airborne on a much larger concessionary that they picked up a couple of months ago. That has eight or nine very large gravity anomalies. And in the Iberian Pyrite Belt, when you're looking for these massive sulfide deposits, you look for gravity anomalies. They've been doing gra- much better quality ground gravity and tim tells me i talked to him a couple of days ago and he said i've got i have a lot more targets now and the targets look a lot better I, I think the odds of them making another one or two or three discoveries are actually very high 
and he's just about to start really ramping the drilling up. So I think that's a great story. Another one I'm bringing is Orzone. I followed Orzone for years. The guy that runs it, uh, Patty Downey. I mean, I love Pat. He's, he's a brilliant guy, fantastic mind builder. You know, you always get nervous about guys going from being a developer to a producer, but Patrick has built three or four mines, very successful ones. And so far, everything's right in line, under budget, ahead of schedule. Lombori should be pouring gold in about hopefully a couple of months. And by the time they finish ramping up, it'll be 200,000 ounce a year plus producer. They're adding a lot of ounces. I think it's going to make a ton of money. And frankly, when, once they're up to nameplate, I suspect they probably get bought out by somebody. Honestly, I think that's probably the, the end game for them. Um, a third mm-hmm. one is a company called Altale Mining, um, A-T-L-Y. They've just started up their second mine. They've got a mine now called Campo Morado, which basically mm-hmm. these are both kind of EMS mines. Campo Morado is mainly zinc. And it, it, Campo Morado has a reputation for being a, a tough mine, and it is. It's, it's not easy metallurgically. It's got all kinds of issues. But these guys have done a great job of turning that around, and they're actually spending pretty decent cash out of that. But they're starting their second. They started their second mine. They literally just started like two weeks ago, putting ore through the mill. Um, once they get that up to 500 tons a day, they will add a second mill. They should be up to 1,000 tons per day by the end of the year. That one's also VMS, but it's predominantly gold silver. The gold gold silver, and it's a much easier deposit than Campo is. Um, Campo's, I mean, I won't bore people with the details, but it's very fine. It's very fine uh, particle size, which is really tricky for metallurgy. Mm-hmm. Um, Tau Weta, which is a second mine, doesn't have those issues. It's just your garden variety nice large um, particle size VMS deposit. So, and given how good a job those guys did with Campo, I'm pretty comfortable they're not going to screw things up at Tawetta. So that's one where you, you should see the cash flows on a thing climb very fast over the next six months. It's, it's mm-hmm. very cheap compared to what the cash flow they should be spinning out. And the fourth company is just the high gold mining. I mean, great product. Oh, yeah. million, mm-hmm. ounce, million ounces, give or take, very high grade. Darwin Green, who runs it's a great geo. Um, they, they hit an obscenely high-grade drill hole last year. They're, they're going to try to figure out where that goes because they only really got one hole into it. Um, as, as a lot of you may know, last year was horrendous for assay labs. The turnaround times are terrible. They're, they've yeah. actually done some stuff to speed that up too, but that's another one where that one's just more – it's more of an exploration story, but they do have a million ounces resource there already yeah. so it's not like they're, right. it's not like it's green fields or anything and one last yeah, thing i'll mention because i know yeah. you want to talk about it <laughs> yep. is, is lion yeah, one which i followed yeah. forever um i love wally i mean wally barakoff is he's such a character i love the guy and he's he's one of these guys you look at his track record he's he's built up three or four large development level companies and yes, had them has. taken out he, he probably personally accounts for at least two or three billion in takeovers in the last 20 years Lion one they've been working on for a long time. It, it's it's always felt like a multi-million ounce uh, project to me. But it's you know narrow veins are they're tricky. Like it takes it takes a lot of drill holes to prove up ounces with a narrow vein. That's right. That's just how that's it right. is. Well, Hope they, well, they that's might a, have had a game changer yesterday, right? I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll have see. to leave it go with that, Eric. We're out of time, but that's that's a great one, and I like High Gold as well. Both of them, and uh, I think Adelaide Mining is one that I followed. They I know that Campbell Demarado they have. A lot of gold there, but weren't able to get it out. They were working on that. I guess maybe I don't yeah. know if they're making any progress on that or not. But we do have to leave it go with that. Uh, yeah. thank, thank, we are out of time, Eric. I'm sorry. Um, okay. We have to talk more sometime soon. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Look forward to seeing you in Toronto. 
Yeah, let's have dinner on Saturday. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we'll do it. All right, okay. take care. All right, folks, okay. we do have to go. That's it for this week. Next week, Alistair McLeod is with me. Quentin Henning will be here to talk about uh, Lion One, actually. We just talked about Lion One, a Tsuvatu project. Uh, he'll be here. Uh, until then, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.